0: Welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. It's good to see y'all. I'm glad you're here and uh, if you're tuning in online We're glad to see you too And if this is your first time watching Welcome to Grace and uh, my name is Wade If you don't know my name, but uh, let me go ahead and pray for us and we'll get right into tonight's message And pick up where we left off last week Father, I just thank you for tonight's message I thank you, Lord, for what it says, and I just pray, Father, that you would open every heart and mind that's going to hear it tonight and uh, hear it later on online or whatever. I just pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what it is you're saying, and God, I pray that you help us to do like your word says and not just, not just hear it, but actually do these things and apply them to our lives, God, so that, so that we can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. God, I just pray for everybody that's at home sick right now that couldn't make it tonight. I pray that you'd bless them right where they are and let them know that you love them, whether they can make it or not, God, that you love them just the same. I pray that you'd comfort them, help them to heal so that they can get back in here. And God, we just thank you for loving us, and we love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, uh, for a few weeks now, we've been in a series about good versus evil, and uh, I'm not going to go into detail about everything that we've already covered for time's sake, it would take too long, but if you missed either one of those first two messages, this is the third in the series, you can look them up on our church page, or you can find them on YouTube or Podbean, but last week we made it to point seven, so tonight we're going to be picking up where we left off on point eight. But uh, the way this series came about was that God started showing me about sharing the gospel. Uh, And I think a lot of times we're sharing the gospel all wrong, and that's what point one was all about. You know, we have to choose good. And, uh, you know, I've been telling you through this series that sadly the sharing the gospel has become more of a judgment statement that turns people away from God instead of drawing them to God you know we've got to where all we tell people is you need to give your life to Jesus and you need to straighten up instead of telling them that God loves you and there is a better way you know people don't need to hear that they're messed up that's not the gospel the gospel is the good news that that God can help them you know people already know they're messed up what they do need to hear is why they are messed up why they need a savior you know I told you that last week and that then they can choose for themselves life over death or good over evil. You know, we can't bring people to God simply by just telling them they need Jesus and that they're messed up. They need to know that they're not hopeless. They need to know that there is hope, and His name is Jesus Christ. You know, people need to know uh, they don't need a Savior because of things that they've done. You know, nobody earned their salvation. Nobody earned a relationship with God. We all need a Savior. Because ever since uh, sin entered into the world, you know, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, ever since Adam and Eve fell, we were all born with a sin nature that causes us to do those things. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we can receive our new nature, and we're not led by our sin nature anymore. We receive the Holy Spirit so we don't have to be a slave to the sin nature that we were born with. And, uh, you know, if, when we do come to Christ, then we have a choice. We have a choice uh, to not sin anymore. Before that, all we had was our old sin nature. But when we come to Christ, then we have the power that we didn't have before. We got the Spirit of God living in us. And we can say no to our sin nature and say yes to the Holy Spirit that's in us once we've given our lives to Jesus. Uh, Pastor Josh talked a little bit about that Uh, Sunday morning during his sermon. He was talking about spirit over nature. And what he was saying in that is once we come to Christ, then we have power in us. we got the Holy Spirit in us and we can choose to obey the Holy Spirit or we can choose to obey our nature. You know, like I said, before Christ, we don't have that choice. All we've got is our nature. But in Christ, we have the power to choose God's Spirit over our old nature. You know, that's what the gospel is. It's not telling people they're messed up. It's telling them there is a better way, and it's not dependent on your strength. It's a free gift from God when you surrender your life to Christ, to choose good, to choose life over evil or death. Uh, Ephesians 2, I love these verses, I share them with you a lot, but verses 1 and verse 5 says when we come to Christ, that God quickens our spirit inside of us, and our spirit before Christ is dead. It says in verse 1, and you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, and in verse 5 it says even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. You know, like I said, those verses tell us that we were spiritually dead before we come to Christ. But once we come to him, we become spiritually alive. And the problem is, you know, with sharing the gospel by just telling somebody they're messed up or just telling them they need to give their life to Jesus or read their Bible, they'll try to get around that. And there's so many people that try to come to God and live for God without surrendering their life to Jesus. And then they find out that they can't do that. And they get frustrated, and they give up on God. They give up on church, and they just feel even more like a failure. And you are not a failure. You just have a misunderstanding of the gospel. And I did too. You know, somebody's probably told you that you need to come to God and gave you a Bible, and you read it, but you didn't understand it. And you came to church and went through all the groups, You know, went through all the motions and just wound up, like I said, frustrated and feeling worse about yourself than you did before. And uh, the problem with that is that's not the gospel. Nobody told you you need to surrender to Jesus first. Let him be Lord of your life. Receive the Holy Spirit and then read your Bible. Then you can actually do the things that the Bible says to do. So many people try to come to God and they try to obey God on their own strength with a sin nature, and you just can't do it. And all that does is wind up getting you burnt out. And that's why step one is so important. You have to choose good. And the only way you can do that is to surrender your life to Christ. And until you do that, you can't go any further. And uh, that's why the world is full of billions of people uh, who, you know, they just want to give Jesus a test drive and see if it works. And the problem with that is, It's not going to work because you haven't surrendered to him and you don't have the Holy Spirit. And they think, well, I tried that. It didn't work. I hear that all the time. I did that. I went to church. I read the Bible. But they never surrendered to Christ. And in their minds, they did everything they could to follow God. And it just didn't work. You know, they study Christianity. They study all these other religions, trying to figure God out. And, uh, that is exactly what Satan wants us to do, anything but surrender to Christ. Because once you surrender to him, the Holy Spirit will teach you all these things. But prior to that, you can study all you want. And that's exactly what Satan wants us to do, because then you've proven to yourself that it don't work. And he don't have to keep you from Christ. You will keep yourself from Christ by your own understanding. He binds us that way. Uh... In Second Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, that's exactly what it's talking about. It says, If our gospel is hid, it is hid to those that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So if we're not surrendered to Christ, we can study all day long. Uh, We can study the rest of our lives, but we're never going to understand the Bible. We're never going to understand the Word of God, and we'll never be able to obey it, and all we'll do is burn ourselves out. And that is why so many people do not come to church. But, like I said, when you come to Jesus and you ask Him to be your Lord, then you're not blind anymore. The Bible that you've been reading for years finally starts making sense. You know, I've experienced that in my own life because the Holy Spirit is now alive, like we just read in Ephesians, and He will show you what it means. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians chapter 2, verses 11-14 through 14, is talking about this. It's not something that we learn. It's something that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Uh, verse 11 says, For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man. You know, you can study and read all day long, but if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you're not going to understand the Spirit of God. In verse 12, it says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, you know, that's us trying to figure God out, but the Spirit which is of God. Once you surrender to Christ, you receive the Spirit of God which knows the Spirit of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Once we receive the Holy Spirit, then we understand salvation. Then we understand our old sin nature. But before that, we don't understand it. In verse 13, it says, "...which things also we speak, (coughs) not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual." In verse 14, it says, "...but the natural man... That's me trying to figure out God on my own without surrendering to Christ. Receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to Him. And neither can He know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And I think that's where a lot of people are right now. Uh, Like I said, once you surrender your life to Christ, you don't just have your old nature, you have God's nature inside you too. And now He will tell you what is right and what is wrong, and then we've got that choice. We have to choose between the two. And I just wish people could see that. You can't do or learn or any of those things until you're worthy of Jesus. Jesus is what makes us worthy. We don't have to get worthy to get to Jesus. We have to get to Jesus to be worthy. You know, come to him just like you are. I tell you that every week. And uh, make him the Lord of your life and truly surrender your heart to him. And right then, when you do that, right there, you have become a child of God. And the Spirit of God comes alive in you. Uh, At that moment, you become a son or a daughter of God. It's not about whether or not you're worthy. None of us are worthy. That's what the Bible says. It's about whether or not you belong to Him, whether or not you have given Him your life. You surrendered your heart to Him and became a son or a daughter of God. You can't earn your way to God. Uh, The only way to God is through Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 tells us that. We read these quite a bit too. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith in Christ, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the Bible is very clear about that. So if that's you, and you've been working yourself to the bone trying to fix yourself, trying to make yourself worthy to come to Christ, that's backwards. That's that's putting the cart before the horse. You cannot make yourself worthy. You can't fix yourself. Only Jesus can do that. So just humble yourself and tell Jesus you need him. Invite him into your heart, and he will meet you right there. You don't have to earn anything. All you have to do is believe in him, trust him, and ask him to save you and if you do that the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12 that when we do that as many as received him come to Jesus in faith to them he gives us power to become the sons of God sons and daughters of God it's not just for men that's for mankind even to them that believe on his name that's all you have to do to be worthy in God's eyes so we need to stop trying to figure it out. We can't figure it out. But like I said, once you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit will start revealing these things to you. It's not something we learn. It's something, you know, we don't figure God out. He reveals himself to us in Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 10, it says, But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So it's not something that we learn. It's something that when we, when we come to Christ, God starts revealing himself to us. For the Spirit searches all things. Yeah, the deep things of God. And I know I spent a lot of time going over point one again. But if you don't get that, you know, you can't do any of the rest of those things. And I believe that's where a lot of people are. They're trying to do all those other things that we've been talking about trying to do good, trying to be good, trying to live up to God's standards, and we can't do that with the sin nature. We have to have the Spirit of God. Uh, Without Christ, like I've been telling you, all we're going to do is burn ourselves out. So it starts with point one. We have to choose good. You know, really surrender yourself to Christ. Uh, And if you're taking notes, I'll go through the points up to where we're at now. Uh, I won't go over them, but I'll tell you what they were. So point one was choose good. Number two was prove what is good. Number three was cleave to what is good. Number four was work out what is good. And number five was there's only two choices. There's not good and bad. It's good and evil. It's one or the other. There's only two choices. Number six was do what is good. And number seven was follow what is good. And number eight, and we'll spend quite a bit of time on this tonight, is be zealous for what is good. And it goes right along with what we're just talking about uh, in point one. That's one, of the, that's one of the reasons I took so long on point one again. Uh, number eight is be zealous for what is good. That word zealous means to be very enthusiastic about something. Or showing great energy in pursuit of something, to be passionate about something, and to be extremely devoted to something or someone. And, uh, you know, if we're not going to be, we're not going to be zealous or extremely enthusiastic about something that we don't understand. You know, that's why I go over step one or point one almost every time. Because if we don't understand salvation, we're not going to be enthusiastic about it. If we don't understand how to have a relationship with Christ, then we're not going to pursue it with passion. You know, we're going to be confused by it. And I want you to understand that. Because how are you going to be enthusiastic or devoted to something that you, that you don't understand? Uh, when we don't understand salvation, when we don't understand our relationship with Christ, then we're going to be zealous or in pursuit of the wrong things. You know, it don't take long looking at the world to see that's where most of the world is right now. They're extremely devoted to stuff, but they're not extremely devoted to God. And they're not showing great energy in pursuit of God. You know, they're not passionate about God. And they're not enthusiastic about God. You know, it's easy to see the things that this world is zealous about. You know, money, that's a good one. They've, they'll talk about money all day long. Or it don't even have to be money. Football or power or sex or drugs or any of those things, you know, you can fill in the blank. Uh, people get zealous over the craziest things. You know, what about war? Even war becomes popular and it just becomes an entertainment to us. You know, people, that's all they want to talk about is the war over here or the war over there and this and that. And sometimes I stop and I wonder how many Christians are actually praying for those poor people that are in those wars, all those innocent people that are getting killed. You know, we have got so numb to those things that they just don't seem real anymore. It don't seem like real people are dying. It's just on TV. It just became... (coughs) Entertainment to us and uh, to me that is very sad because those are real lives being lost Those are real children dying those real mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and Every one of them are going to spend eternity somewhere. You know, they are not entertainment But we think it's on TV. It's just entertainment. It's not in my backyard and it's not affecting me You know, that's not good. We should be zealous for what is good. We should be passionate about what is good. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, who gave himself for us. Jesus gave himself for us. And then the last part of the verse says, this is why. That he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You know, enthusiastic about good works and in pursuit of good works. And we don't see that in the world today. Like I said, when we see those injustices like that in war and people dying and stuff, it shouldn't be entertainment to us. That should get our faith stirred up. And uh, I think the reason that we're not zealous as we should be in our faith is because we don't really see ourselves as what we are. We don't see ourselves as good, and we don't see ourselves as sons and daughters of God like we just read in John 1, verse 12. Somehow we believe in Jesus, we believe there's a God, we believe Jesus died for us, and we believe He rose on the cross, but we still don't see ourselves as who God says we are. You know, God's Word, we just read in John chapter 1, and verse 12, that if we put our faith in Christ, then we are sons and daughters of God. Uh, second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 <clears throat> we share this one all the time too it says if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away <clears throat> behold all things are become new so that says we're a new creation in Christ but most of us i believe we look in the mirror and that's not what we see you know we don't see ourselves as men and women of God. We don't see ourselves as ambassadors for God himself that it talks about in Corinthians 2. If you have given your heart to Jesus, you are a man or a woman of God. And we've got to start seeing ourselves that way. We wonder why the church doesn't have any power. We wonder why all these things are not happening it's because the people in the church don't see themselves for what they truly are. If you are in Christ, you are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are not a failure. You're not what the world says you are. You are a new creature. All that old things, it don't matter what you've done in the past. God says that's under the bridge. You have become new. Walk in the newness of life, it says in the book of Romans. You know, I read something this week that I want to share with you. And I think that's the mindset that a lot of us have. And uh, I'll read it to you. It was was in one of my devotions this week. And it's about the difference in a son or a daughter and how they see themselves and how they see their value in this life. Or a servant and how they see themselves and they see their value in this life. So I'll read to you just a little piece of one of my devotions. And it goes like this. It says, the servant is accepted and appreciated only on the basis of what he or she does. And the child is accepted on the basis of who he or she is. The servant starts his day or her day anxious and worried, wondering if his or her work will really please the master. (coughs) While the child rests in the secure love of his or her family. The servant is only accepted because of productivity, or performance. The child belongs because of his or her position in the family or as a person. At the end of the day, the servant has peace of mind only if he or she has proven his worth by his work. The next morning, his anxiety begins all over again. But the child can be secure all day and know that tomorrow won't change his status. When a servant fails, his whole position is at stake. He might lose his job. When a child fails, they'll be grieved because they've hurt their parents, and they will be corrected and disciplined, but they are never afraid of being thrown out. Their basic confidence is belonging and being loved, and their performance does not change the stability of their position. I really like that. When I read that, it made me stop and... You know, take a good look at the way I see myself. And, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you that I can relate to that. And I believe a lot of y'all can relate to that. You know, how how many of you start your day feeling anxious and worried about how you're going to do today? How am I going to perform? Am I going to be accepted? You know, are people going to be pleased with what I do today? And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us start our day like that, full of anxiety. You know, am I going to do good enough? I think we spend our whole day like that. And when we do that, we'll go to bed like that. And then the next morning, like like that thing said, it just starts all over again. But that's not our relationship with God. You know, that's not how God sees us. It's not about performance. We just read that in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It's a gift from God. You don't have to earn God's approval or His acceptance. Uh, Brother Billy quotes this verse a lot when we go to celebrate restorations, and that's, I know that's where he gets a lot of his confidence in his faith. And uh, all of us should get a lot of confidence in our faith through these verses. But in Ephesians 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. God made us accepted in the beloved. He adopted us into his family. You know, in Christ, it said in verse 5, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It's God's will to adopt us through Christ into his family. You know, that should comfort you to know that. It's not about anything you've done. He predestined us. That means before you were even born, before you could earn or work, or you know, God don't want anything from us. He just wants us to be part of his family. In Christ, God adopts us into his family. You know, we are already accepted by God in Christ. And uh You know, I always tell you I love that word adopted. And the reason I love it is because that don't mean you're just born into something and you're stuck there. You know, you didn't choose it. Nobody chose you. You just happened. That's not the way God sees us. When we come into God's family, uh, you were picked out. You were adopted. You were preferred. You were chosen. And that makes you special. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, we can't be confident in something or zealous in something that we don't believe. And if you've given your heart to Christ, stop trying to earn God's approval like that servant we just read about. You know, with that kind of mindset, we'll never be sure of our salvation and we'll never be confident or zealous in our faith. You know, I think this year is going to bring a lot of big changes at the church. And we need people to believe in who they are, believe that they are men of God and are women of God, so that they'll have the courage to stand up and serve God the way that He wants us to serve Him. You know, we need children's workers, we need all kinds of workers. But if you don't believe that's what you are, then you'll never act on it. You'll never rise to the occasion and do what God's asking you to do, because in your mind, you've got that servant attitude that, I'll fail him, I won't be good enough god says you're already accepted you're already good enough Uh, (coughs) you've already got it romans 8 verses 13 through 17 uh, this is speaking about god adopting us into his family too it says for if you live after the flesh you shall die but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, when you come to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. If you follow the Spirit, then you are being led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The only thing you got to do to be a son or a daughter of God is be led by the Spirit. Once you come to Christ, just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. In verse 15, He says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. So you are a joint heir of Christ, and nothing can take that away from you. And we got to believe that about ourselves. Uh, we got to start seeing, our, each, I mean, ourselves as sons and daughters of God. And once we believe that, we got to believe that nothing can take that away from us. Not even ourselves. Even if I have a bad day and I fall flat on my face and I mess up, uh, Romans eight verses thirty-eight and thirty-nine says nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing I do, nothing anybody else does to me, nothing nobody says about me, whether I do good, whether I fail. It says, for I am persuaded (coughs) that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that pretty much covered everything we can think of. You know, like I keep saying, we got to start seeing ourselves the way God sees us, not the way we see ourselves in the world and not the way we see ourselves related to God. Uh, So we've got to start seeing ourselves for what we truly are, and we need to start seeing God for who He is. He is on our side. God is not our opponent. God is not against us. God is for us 100%. And uh, we've got to stop com- comparing God to people that hurt us here on earth. We've got to stop comparing him to people that hurt us, and we got to start stop, stop comparing God to people that have abandoned us. You know, Hebrews 13:5 it says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, I've had people walk out on me. I've had people stab me in the back. I've had all kinds of people do bad things to me. But God has never done that to me, and God never will do that to me, and He will never do that to you. Uh, Like I keep telling you, you will never be zealous for a God that you don't trust. And we'll never see the power of God in our lives until we believe who we are in Him and who He is towards us. Uh, So not only do we have to choose God and or choose good and follow good, we gotta believe that in Christ we are good too, and God is good. Uh, and that is the only way we're ever going to be zealous for what is good. And I've you know people preach all the time that there's nobody good, no not one. And the Bible does say that. In Romans chapter three, verses ten through twelve, it says, that is writ as it is written, there is none righteous, no not one. And these verses are trying, uh, like we started out, these are talking about me trying to take the law of God and trying to obey it with my sin nature. That's what this is. That's what the law of God is for. It's to show me that I cannot do it on my own. I need the Spirit of God. I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ. It says there is none that understands. Read all you want. You can't understand without the Spirit of God. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. You know, if we try to earn our way to God through the law by our own works, the Bible is very clear that none of us can do that. Uh, In Romans 3.20, it says that all the law did was prove to us that all we're capable of is sin. It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So if all I study is the law and I never come to Christ, then all I'm going to see is I can't do this, and I will give up on God, give up on church, and walk away thinking I'm not good enough. And that's not what God designed, it, designed his word to do. In Romans 3, verses 21 and 22, it says, But now... Talking about Christ, the righteousness of God without the law. Quit trying to get to God through the law. Get to God without the law. The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all (coughs) and upon all. Them that believe, for there is no difference. So, in Christ, we are righteous before God. In Christ, we can be good. You know, be confident in your salvation, be confident in God, and then you will be able to be zealous and bold in your faith, and you'll be able to see yourself as a son or a daughter of God. You can't do it by trying to keep the rules. Once you have the Holy Spirit, you can be obedient to God, but we're not here to keep the law. We're here to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. That is the new covenant that God made with us. Uh, so that is point eight. Be zealous for what is good. But see yourself the way you are. See God for who he truly is. And see our salvation for what it truly is. And believe it. And live it. So point number nine is imitate what is good. Uh, just like being zealous, you know, the world is is zealous about a lot of stuff, but it's not zealous about anything that's good. And uh, imitate goes right along with being zealous. We have to watch what we imitate. We can't imitate this world because it don't have anything good to imitate. If we're going to imitate what is good, it's going to have to be Jesus Christ. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So we can't compare ourselves with other people and we can't imitate other people. You know, Paul says at the end of that verse that that's not wise. You know, we'll always be feeling less than somebody that's doing better than we are. Or we'll get prideful and think I'm doing, I'm more than somebody because I'm doing better than they are. They are. You know, we can't use the world or other people as a standard to judge ourselves. You know, if we're going to become like Christ, then we have to try to imitate Christ. You know, I can't imitate somebody and hope I turn out like Jesus. But if we're going to come become like Christ, if we want to be good and do good and choose good, Our standard has to be Jesus himself. You know, it can't be another person. Uh, If we try to imitate other people or compare ourselves with other people, then you're always going to have somebody, like I said, that's further along in their faith than you are, and you're always going to have somebody behind you. You're always going to be further along than somebody else. So that, that won't work, you know. You should have people in your faith that you look up to, you know, somebody that is further along than you that you can go to for advice or help or questions, but your standard to imitate has got to be Jesus. Uh, We just read this verse earlier, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. It says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So if we're going to compare things, it has to be not with people, but compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And like I said, it's good to get godly advice from godly people. You know, we should do that. But the only thing we should imitate is the Word of God. And if they're giving you godly advice, there should be scriptures involved. So don't imitate the person. Imitate the Word of God. Uh, But if you are following somebody, if you're imitating somebody, then somebody else is going to start following you and they'll start imitating you and so on and so on and so on. And uh, pretty soon you just wind up with a cult. And if you're putting your faith in somebody, uh, it's not fair to them either because they're going to start believing that there's something that they're not. And nobody's following Jesus. You're following a person and they get puffed up and prideful and think that they're a savior. Uh, DJ says it all the time. You know, his sponsor told him there was one Savior, and it's not you. You know, it's not me either. It's none of us. He's our Savior, and we should all be following Him together. And then Third John, verse 11, it says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that does good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. It's easy to see who you should follow and you shouldn't follow. All you gotta do is take a good look at their life, not who they are on Sunday morning, but how they consistently (coughs) live every day. You know, I say it all the time, people, everybody can fake it for a few days. Some people can fake it longer than that, but sooner or later, your true colors are gonna come out. You know, don't follow somebody that's new in their face. Find somebody that's been following God for quite a while, and see how they live. And I'm not saying imitate them, but find out what got them to where they are. You know, Jesus said you'll know people by their fruits. And like I said, you'll always have people that are further along than you are. And if you see that somebody living a good godly life that's strong in their faith, learn from them. It's it's good to ask questions. You know, go in the direction that they're going but make sure they're following Christ. You go following the wrong person, and uh, the Bible says you'll both fall in a ditch, is what Jesus said. Uh, Paul said, too, in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 9, and I've heard this preached wrong a lot. It says, Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, what you have learned from me about Christ, received and heard from me about Christ. Do these things, and God will be with you. And Paul's saying, just like he's been with me. He's not saying, imitate me. And like I said, I've heard people preach. That's what he's saying. He's saying the same thing that James said in James 1 and verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves Uh, Paul is saying don't just learn about Christ do what you've learned you know all these things that you've learned from me about Christ received from me about Christ and heard from me about Christ do these things like I did and God will be with you just like he was with me Paul's not saying follow me he's saying do what I did following Christ these are the steps that you take to get to Christ He's saying, I'm following God, and you should do the same thing. Paul's not asking anybody to follow him, uh, to put faith in him. He's saying, put your faith in God like I did. You know, everything you learn from me about Jesus, don't just learn it. Put it into practice, and God will be with you just like he was with me. That's what Paul is saying in those verses. Uh, You know, we keep talking about the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God knows the Spirit of God. And if we want to imitate Jesus Christ and become like Christ, then we need to know what to imitate. And the very Spirit of God, it says in Galatians, is the fruit of the Spirit. It is love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control. That is the Spirit of God. And those are the things that we should be imitating. Uh, And that's like, You know, just like Pastor Josh was saying Sunday, we choose the Spirit of God over our sin nature. You know, we can choose love over hate, joy over being bitter all the time, peace over always arguing with people, you know, patience over just being done with people like, I don't have time for you anymore. Gentleness instead of being hard to people. If we want to imitate God, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to figure out, but it is hard to actually apply to your life because you got to say no to me and yes to God. That's how we imitate Christ. That's exactly what he did. He resisted so hard in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was sweating blood. But in the end, he didn't surrender to his nature. He, he chose the will of God, and that's what we have to do too. Uh, and if we do that, we can't help but imitate good. But Just like point one, it is a choice. You know, every decision we make, we're choosing the Spirit of God and imitating God in that decision, or we're choosing to be in control ourselves and doing my will instead of His will. So the only way we can imitate good is to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and obedient to God's Word, not other people. You know, we can't base our faith on other people. We've only got two more points to go on the the good part of this series, but we're not going to get there tonight. We're out of time uh We'll get to them next week, and they are points on good, but the last two points they go along with the points on evil too, so that worked out good uh I didn't intend for this series to be this long, <coughs> but we'll just see where God takes the rest of it so uh are you like the servant that we read about earlier? You know, in a lot of ways, I am, and I'm, I'm working on it. You know, are you anxious all the time and not sure about your salvation, whether or not God is pleased with you? If so, you know, I hope tonight's message helped you see that God is already pleased with you. We're just not pleased with ourselves because we don't believe what God has said about us. You are a son or a daughter of Christ, I mean of God in Christ. And we got to start living our lives that way. Uh, You know, quit trying to prove or earn a good standing with God and just believe that He's already accepted us in Christ. You know, until we do that, we'll never be strong in our faith. We'll never be confident that we've been saved. We'll always doubt our salvation. And our relationship with God is always going to struggle until we believe what He said. You know, we believe He created the heavens and the earth. We believe He died for us. You know, we have to start believing what He says about us, too. When we look in the mirror, we've got (coughs) to stop thinking it didn't work or it wasn't good enough. You know, God's Word is true, and that means all of it. God loves you right where you're at. He accepts you right where you're at if you're in Christ. But if you've got those feelings, you can settle that right now. You know, if you're not sure if you've ever been saved, Just ask Jesus into your heart right now. You don't have to put it off. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's as simple as that. Just tell him, I know I need a Savior, and I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and I believe that you rose again the third day victorious. And uh, I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord. If you've got any doubts at all, just do that today. And uh, the Bible says you will be saved right there. And like we read in uh, John chapter 1 and verse 12 a while ago you will be you will have the power to become a son or a daughter of God uh, I'll give you some scripture on getting saved if you're choosing you want to do that today in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 it says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you shall be saved in verse 10. It says, for with the heart, man believes under righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So if today is the day that you're making that decision, and you ask Christ into your heart, tell somebody about it. The Bible says, with your confession on your faith in Him, you are saved. That's how you receive your salvation. And, uh, you know, I tell you this verse every week, Romans ten thirteen, and I always tell you, don't let anybody tell you that you're not good enough, that you went too far, that you messed up too bad. But that includes us. Quit telling ourselves that. You know, if I've called upon the name of the Lord, He has saved me. We've got to quit talking ourselves out of having confidence in our own salvation. In uh, Romans 5, 8, it says, God already showed His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to earn or anything to become worthy. He died for us because we were sinners. And we come to him so he can turn us into saints. God loves you right where you are. All you gotta do is come to him. And uh, if you've never done that, I hope you do that tonight. And I pray that you'll confess it to somebody. And I pray that uh, this message helps somebody to have some confidence in your relationship with God. Confidence in your own salvation and quit doubting whether or not you're saved. If you have gave your heart to Christ a minute, you are saved. We've got to start walking in confidence in our faith so that we can start walking in our callings. The Bible says God did all these things for us so we can come to Christ so we can serve Him. And we'll never serve Him if we don't think we're worthy of serving Him. But uh, that's my message for tonight. We're not having service next Wednesday because of Thanksgiving, but we'll pick up a couple of weeks from now uh, in point number nine. But uh, thank you all for coming out. That was my message for tonight. I hope it helped somebody. Let me pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, thank you for that message. I know it has got me taking a whole different look at my salvation, Lord. You know, without even knowing it, I've been doubting myself. I've been doubting what you've done in my life. And I think there's many of us doing that. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to do like your word says, and let your word be true. And even my own words be a lie, God, because I know you're powerful enough and I know what your word says. I pray for every single one of us, Lord, that you'll help us to believe that you have done what you said you would do. And help us to start walking uh, as sons and daughters of you through Jesus Christ. And I just pray that you'll give us the courage to be bold in our faith, Father, and quit being wishy-washy in it. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you so much for what you've done for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.